the way that they flow people through their website, you should emulate it, right? Because they're teaching people the patterns of shopping on an inter- on the internet. Like that's how you shop. Uh, and if you want to be cool and you want to be different, you are literally taking money out of your pocket. Like don't, don't confuse people if they're trying to give you money. Have you ever wondered, how do you grow a socially conscious and environmentally friendly e-commerce brand online while also making a profit? Yeah, me too. After watching my family members suffer through cancer and heart disease using products by companies that care more about profits than their customers, there must be a better way, right? That's when I discovered an emerging wave of successful, purpose-driven businesses, and I knew I needed to be a part of it. So join me as we dive into the stories behind the most inspiring brands in the world and discover the secrets on how they successfully win over the vote of their customers' wallets and grow their business online. My name is Vincent Tanyono, and welcome to the e-commerce speak podcast. Welcome to another episode of the e-commerce speak podcast. Today, I have a special guest with me. His name is Chase Clymer from Electric Eye. Chase has been an entrepreneur from an early age. He launched multiple businesses while attempting to make it in the music industry. And since the band did not pay his, his bills, Chase turned to digital marketing as a way to make ends meet while he was touring. And today, Chase is the co-founder at Electric Eye. It's a digital marketing agency where he and his team create Shopify, powered sales machine from strategic design to development and marketing decisions. He is also the host of the Honest E-Commerce. It's a weekly podcast for online store owners where you can get honest and actionable advice to increase your sales and grow your business. So super excited with what you are going to share today, Chase. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited to be here. I got my coffee going. I'll be talking a mile a minute here real soon. Awesome. So let's start with a little bit about your story for people who are not familiar with you. What was your journey like from like the dream of becoming a musician to now helping Shopify e-commerce businesses with your agency? Yeah, I mean, I think like any anybody uh, with a passion for music, they want to they wanna play music for a living. Uh, gave it a good effort. Uh, a lot of my friends that I met through that uh, that, 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 that time in my life, they're actually, they're doing it. They're living the dream. They're having a blast. Uh, so it's funny. You'll see that in our, our agency work sometimes, like we'll randomly do a website for a big rock band or something. That's just because of my background and the people that we've known, uh, in our history. But, you know, um, uh, it just, uh, while I was doing that, I was obviously learning kind of all these things about digital marketing. And when that first band kind of, uh, parted ways, uh, I kind of took, a some, did some reflection internally. And I was like, look, I'm like already making some decent money doing this digital thing. I should probably really double down here. So I did that. And I really uh, honed in on my digital skills. And around that time, I actually met my business partner, Sean. And he was like, Hey, have you heard of this Shopify thing? And I was like, no, what's that? And then so we we did we tag teamed a few Shopify projects together. And just the simplicity of like a SaaS model for an e-commerce store was just mind-bogglingly awesome for me. Uh, because my background in WordPress, I was always scared of WooCommerce because WordPress is such a fickle beast that you can like screw something up and ruin someone's livelihood, right? But with Shopify, it was so cool and so simple that like, hey, like it's really hard for you to break this thing to the point where it won't make any sales. 
Um, so that's what kind of excited me in the initial days about Shopify. And then since then, like, uh, our agency went all in on Shopify, I think within the first three months of being an agency and like, that's the only platform we touch. So, uh, since then, like really learned everything we possibly could about Shopify, about, you know, building within it through liquid and templating and all that stuff, like what isn't, isn't possible within the platform and what, what things you can solve for outside of it and the whole app ecosystem then how all the marketing channels interact with it. So it's been really, really fun to kind of really, you know, what's funny is internally our agency, we were like, Oh, we're like, growth consultants like we're real and then we ask our clients what we are and they're like oh you guys are shopify experts we're like that's not really what we want to be but you know what here's like advice if people are calling you one thing go with it because that's how they resonate with you and you know just like that's that's how you should speak about yourself that's marketing 101 you've worked with plenty of uh, e-commerce shopify clients what would you say is like the the hardest part of e-commerce oh that's a great question vincent so um i think well, you know what? I, I have an answer that I always have prepared for that question, but something that's top of mind now that I really want to put out there is uh, I think the hardest part is like the mental challenge of just getting started. People are always get distracted by perfection. Who cares? Just get started. You're going to make mistakes. Everyone makes mistakes. What separates a good business from a bad business is that the good business made more mistakes, learned from them, iterated, pivoted, and kept going. Whereas bad... like. Honestly, not making a decision is worse than making the wrong decision. So just just get started. Um, so there's my 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 first answer to the question. But my real answer to the question is um, finding product market fit, right? So product market fit is this like concept of uh, you have a product that solves the needs for your market segment, right? kind of the name kind of says what it is. Um, but like, how do you just, how do you know if you have it or not? That's like the hardest part, especially in e-commerce. And so I would say if your e-commerce brand is like selling, you're like, you're actually selling your products on the internet to random strangers, people that you've never interacted with or met. This isn't your dad, your mom, your uncle, your brother. This is random people on the internet. Maybe you've you've maybe you've stumbled onto a problem and in your your product resonates with solving that problem for your your target demographic and then that's you know that's a pretty good sign that you're onto something and you should probably invest more time energy and money into this idea. Um, I think that is the truly the hardest part of e-commerce is finding product market fit. And with that, I think that no agency, consultant, freelancer, college intern, or partner can help you find product market fit. That is a founder's journey, a founder's responsibility. That's 100%. You're, you can't outsource building a business. Um, that is just a recipe for disaster. There are no shortcuts in this. Um, you know, If anyone's promising you the moon, uh, they're more than likely lying to you. Because just think about it from this perspective, right? I've been doing this for five years. Our agency has helped our clients make over $10 million in additional revenue into their businesses, right? I have so much knowledge here. So you would think that I could just go and start an e-commerce brand tomorrow and I'd be successful. But here's the thing, like finding that, that product and, and finding that product market fit is almost like, it's pretty much lightning in a bottle. It's like really rare to find something that really works. And that's why 90% of businesses fail. Um, so, you know, you, it's almost, you, have, you can be impactful once those, once those factors are there, you can be impactful. Once that product market fits there, you can be impactful. But finding the product market fit, that's a real struggle. That's really hard. And it's a lot more rare that that occurs. Uh, so if someone's you know, selling you the moon saying that they can build you an e-commerce business overnight and they can always be successful, like I would definitely, uh, I would run away. They're lying. So from those 
uh, businesses that you've worked with that have really, like, really good, that have taken off because they have really good product market fit? Like, what were some of the process? How did they reach there? Oh, number one is they were super, like, they never ever wanted to be a like, really successful business, right? That was like never their intent. Maybe everybody wants to be successful, but that was just like a byproduct of what they were super passionate about was like their product. They were passionate about their product solving problem for their customers. They were super passionate about like talking to their customers, learning from their customers, getting feedback from their customers. Um, all of that is like, if you're doing that, you're going to, it's going to work out eventually. Just, you know, keep putting in the effort. Um, so yeah, just like really focused on having the best product that they could and, and making sure they're listening to their customers and taking that feedback and iterating upon their product, not only in like the actual product itself, but like in like the way that they talk about the product and the positioning of the product. Um, those were, were really ways that like helped these first brands, these brands like kind of get over that first hump. Another thing that like you got to do at the beginning that I, I see a lot of, uh, commonalities in. So, uh, quickly about my podcast, Honest Ecommerce. Uh, we have really started to to focus on interviewing brand founders. That's basically is all I'm up to these days. Every once in a while, I'll be a subject matter expert, a partner in the industry, but it's it's a lot of interviews with brand founders. And so I'm talking to them, and I'm asking these same questions, like, "How did you get started? Like, what was the secret?" And uh, and often uh, another thing that I hear a lot is there's like they do the things at the beginning that don't scale. Like they they would like call the customers on the phone and ask them questions if they'd let them about like, "Why'd you buy this product?" What resonate like they would just really get into the weeds and really ask people questions and get, take that feedback and learn from that feedback and iterate upon things. So at the beginning, like really, you got to do these things that you, that won't scale with the business. You know, handshakes, conversations, really learn from your customers because at first, that ground layer of customers are really going to help set you up for success. Yeah, I love that because even though it doesn't scale, but it really sets the groundwork to to set up the foundation of the business. And once we found that product market fit, like what you say then you can uh, start going to the next step, right? So which brings to the next question is, after you get that product market fit, like how do you, how do you scale from there? Like what systems does a brand need to do that? Absolutely. So um, the way that I think about uh, the different levels of an e-commerce business, I would say like zero to about like a run rate, run rate of like a million dollars a year or a, like you're you know doing like a million dollars in one year. Like some, from zero to that, like you're kind of in that, that startup phase, in my opinion, um, you know, I think definitely towards the beginning of that number, it's it's definitely figuring out product market fit. But then after that, it's more like figuring out where is my initial group of customers, and that should be your main focus, right? So from zero to one million, don't even worry about scaling really until it gets blatantly obvious, right? One million is an arbitrary number, but like the things you should focus on, like when you're in that phase, is straight up like. Getting systems and processes in place, you know, making sure that you're not going to have any issues with your with your vendors, making sure that like everything's working, and like that you have a repeatable way of gaining new customers that isn't super expensive. I would say that if you could do that and not spend a dollar on paid media, you're going to have a very successful business. So if you figure out ways through like content or influencers or some other sort of system to build your business without having to invest in paid media and you can get it to like a million dollar a year run rate, like you're going to have an insanely successful business, right? But your question, you figured all that out. What do you, how do you get to, what's the next step? How's, what's scaling look like, right? So now I'm a giant nerd and this is why I like e-commerce and this is why I like doing these podcasts is because e-commerce is just math, right? So there's three KPIs and you want to take a guess at them. So here's the, here's the equation. You, you take three numbers and you multiply them together and it's going to give you basically your sales for the month, right? 
So I'm sure that you can guess one of them. So what, what, is, what, what do you think one of these KPIs would be? Um, conversions? Absolutely, right? That's, that's, that's one of the K- main KPIs. And that's actually the first KPI in the equation. So you figured that one out real quick. So conversion rate, right? So that's how many people like bought it. So I'll, I'll quickly run through the other two, two because I know that this podcast isn't supposed to be forever long. So, um, so it's, it's conversion rate, it's average order value, and then it's, it's uh, sessions, right? And most people, when they go into the scaling phase, they go right for that third number. They go right for sessions. You know, it's like paid traffic. Facebook and Google, they make the world go round. Like that's where a lot of people look to invest their, their time and their energy and their money. But I would argue that that is uh, short-sighted and very expensive. Um, mostly because... Uh, so you, time, you take your conversion rate, your average order value, your sessions, let's say last 30-day average, and you multiply them all together, you're going to get your, you know, basically your sales for that month, because that's, that's how math works, the law of averages, right? And if you just, you know, double your amount of sessions, right, you dump all of your money into paid ads, right? So that improves by 100%. Um, you know, you're going to double your business, right? That's, it's a simple math equation, right? But the cool thing about e-commerce and about having three KPIs here is you can actually incrementally improve each of these KPIs only by 26% and you'll still double your business. And the best part about that is an improvement to your conversion rate of 26% or an improvement to your average order value of 26%. That's an improvement forever. That's not an improvement for as long as your ad spend is. That's a forever improvement, right? So that's why you should focus on a, the way that we like to walk through it, it's this brand scaling framework that we walk all of our clients through at Electric Guy, or you can just follow this process and do it yourself, right? So first things first, make sure that you have the best experience that you can for your customers, right? So what's that come down to is like, you really, you want a very good user experience. Um, the biggest detriments that we see when we're looking at, uh, at websites is the customer journey makes absolutely no sense because it's not built by someone that understands e-commerce and like the flow is just really bad, right? So make sure that the customer journey makes sense. People are getting to the, getting the information and being able to navigate to the products that they need. So it makes sense. You know, who does this really well, Amazon, Walmart, target, like they're the way that they're, they flow people through their website. You should emulate it, right? Because they're teaching people the patterns of shopping on an inter, on the internet. Like that's how you shop. Uh, and if you want to be cool and you want to be different, you are literally taking money out of your pocket. Like don't, don't confuse people if they're trying to give you money. Um, so, you know, do that. Another big thing is speed. A lot of people have, uh, the problem, especially in the Shopify ecosystem is they'll install a bunch of apps and then they'll uninstall the apps. But when you press uninstall on a Shopify app, it doesn't remove the code. So if you've done that a dozen, two dozen times, you've got all this extra spaghetti in your code and it's slowing it down. Cause each of the, each of those apps installs a JavaScript call, which is another file to download, which just slows and slows and slows, especially on mobile. Right. So that's another big issue that we see is people have like uh, older themes with a bunch of extra stuff in there that they absolutely do not need. Um, so, you know, speed is important uh, and it, it directly correlates to conversion rate, right? So if you can make the customer experience make a lot of sense, you can make it pretty fast. Like you're going to make some improvements to your, your conversion rate, right? Next, average order value. How do you improve that? It's real simple. Bundles, upsells, cross-sells. And it's so funny how you rarely see those on e-commerce stores. Uh, it's getting a little bit more popular um, these days, which I'm glad, but like, it's not, it's not like very common to see, you know, people are usually like just happy with whatever ends up in the cart. 
but it's pretty easy to do these days. Uh, I think the hardest part here is strategizing on what the offer should be, not really like making it work on the website. Uh, there are some out-of-the-box solutions that work. I would argue that something more custom, especially if your brand's doing multi-millions a year, something, I mean, more custom experience in this. So it lends itself to feeling, feeling on brand and being part of the experience as less to jarring and taking me out of the experience. Um, but yeah, bundles, upsells, cross-sells, you're going to raise your AOV. You do those two things first, and then you pour money into paid ads. You're going to see a way higher return on ad spend. Yeah, that makes sense. So like the K- the three KPIs is also in that order, right? Do the conversions yeah. and then increase the AOV and then pour in more, more advertising dollars to increase the sessions. So where does Electric Eye uh, fall into this uh, scene? Like, do you only help people who are like in the scaling phase or who is ideal to work with you? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, and and it, it is mostly brands that are in that scaling phase. A lot of our clients are, you know, they're small teams. It's usually like a founder and a couple people and everybody's wearing way too many hats. Um, and we usually come in and kind of take the more technical stuff off their plates, the nerdy stuff, you know, Shopify and the things that it directly integrates with it. It's like, yeah, we'll take this stuff. We really know how this works. And we're like, you as the founder, you focus on influencer relationships and brand and your next product releases and sourcing inventory and all, and like that stuff, customers, like customers, like you focus on customer and brand, you focus on that. We're going to focus on technology and ads. Right. And that's usually how we split things up. Um, and it, it's, it's really fun. Uh, and we, you know, our goal is to like help brands that are doing like a million dollars a year, help them get up to like $10 million a year. And then, you know, they have to fire us because they're going to start bringing some of these people in house. And that's perfectly fine. You know, that, that's the best, that's the best thing ever. If you can help a brand 10 X over a couple of years, and then they're replacing people, you know what they're going to say is they're going to like, that's the best agency ever. And they're going to refer us to everybody else. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And from what I look at your website and other uh, podcast that I was listening to, like you only work with a small group of clients, right? Instead of like all those other agencies that take in like hundreds and hundreds of clients. Yeah. So it was, uh, it, historically, it was 12 clients at a time. Uh, we're actually hiring right now. We're bringing in some more team members and we're going to up that to 18 probably in 2022. Um, we'll see how it goes. It might, it might go up again from there, but we like to keep it, um, it uh, basically uh, six Six per project manager is how we like to view it. Mm, Because I think... And it goes back to... I think it was Jeff Bezos. He has that whole concept of like... uh, The amount of people that can work on a project is akin to like... Will one pizza feed them? Right? So I kind of keep that... We keep that in mind. uh, Because if you have too many cooks in the kitchen, things don't get done. Everyone assumes someone else is doing something. Um, And, you know... At the end of the day, we're an agency, we're a service business. Like we have to be helpful with these people. We have to be like, we're very intermixed with our clients and we're oftentimes doing multiple things for them. You know, maybe that's like CRO and paid ads or that's email marketing and building them a new website, right? Like we're doing multiple things for these clients. So we're pretty in, in intertwined in understanding what's going on uh, and, and helping them with making decisions that are going to help them make more money like on the Shopify sides of their business. So uh, definitely need to be a little more in tune with the clients. And that definitely means you need less clients so you can be more available to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm also curious to hear what, what trends do you see in the e-commerce space, especially over the past two years with all the craziness that's going on in the world? Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on. So uh, first, obviously there's COVID. So uh, 
I was m- mutilating this yesterday, so I went and reread the article. So basically, there is this uh, report that goes out, and it's like, hey, there was all this money spent um, on retail during the year. And before COVID, it was around 25% uh, of spending was online, right? And so the rest, the other 75% was like in traditional retail stores. Uh, COVID hit, and that number jumped to around 35% in three months, where it wasn't supposed to hit that for another like five or six years, right? So it did that much growth in three months, right? Um, and the curious thing about it was, uh, you know, depending on where you are, like things are roughly getting to some semblance of normal, but that number didn't change. That that rate of spend is still going up at a steady clip, not as fast as it was, right? But it, it did that jump and then it's still, it's, it never dropped. So it, that was a really interesting thing to see. So all that means is there's a bunch of more money being spent online right now. Um, so that is cool to for e-commerce brands. It means like you can go get your own piece of the pie. So that's that's very interesting. Um, you know, another thing that just happened recently, which I'm sure you're fully aware of, is uh, how Apple and Google uh, got in, a, in a, a little fight, I guess, right? And, you know, data is this whole thing and privacy, which, you know, pull the veil back on it. It's just Google and Apple hate each other and Apple wanted to make money on their ads platform. And they, they, they pulled a big giant thing, which is hilarious. But what it does is it screws the little guy, everyone with an e-commerce brand, everyone that has a, an agency that was, you know, return on ad spend was a big metric that they were tracking. Um, so with all these privacy things, it kind of slaughtered, you know, getting data back from your ads and the email stuff. So that's going to be interesting to follow over the next couple months to years. Um, it's actually, did you read this the other day that Google and Facebook are now their APIs are talking to, uh, try to circumvent Apple's like, uh, restrictions. No, I did not see that. Yeah. It's really like, they're like, they're like, playing to like so they're both their sdks are like talking together and sending data and like sharing audiences to try to match better wow yeah that's interesting yeah it was really interesting it was really interesting read because they're both just like wow apple really screwed us um but that's not really what this conversation was about i just thought that was really interesting um but i think it's gonna be interesting to see how uh the market reacts uh to, to kind of that stuff um and i know that a lot of our clients are spending a lot of uh, they're they're investing a lot, you know, either time or energy or budget into uh, retention marketing, like owned marketing. So relationships through email and SMS. That's a big thing that a lot of our clients are doing. So we're recommending a lot of people doing. They're also investing a lot into content, um, finding ways to resonate with their existing customers that isn't necessarily only asking for the sale. Um, so that's that's something that we're seeing a lot of our clients do. And then obviously that uh, you know influencer marketing, I think, is still. Uh, in you know it's still a little bit in its infancy it's still new and it, it's definitely worth trying out if your product lends itself to that you mentioned about content like how important is it for e-commerce or direct to consumer brands to do like content marketing uh super super important so i mean there's there's a few ways to approach it right so um if if you have like an apparel brand i'll just take i'll take a step back it's it's very important because you need it for everything else right you need that content uh, so you can use that content in your retention marketing efforts. Like you can put whatever content you create into an email blast. It's not an email blast. It's, an, it's a campaign. But uh, you put it into that, right? You use that content on your blog. You use that content on your social media posts, right? Uh, you recycle that content on Instagram, right? Like you need, you need that content to be created so then you have something to post about, right? 
So that is extremely important. And then you also can use all that content on your paid ads efforts as well, right? So when you do get into that scaling phase, like we talked about a little bit ago, Vincent, uh, something that like some, we run across this sometimes and we're like, hey, we're going to start doing a bunch of ads. We're going to start sending more emails. Are you going to make more content? Where are you cre- creating this content? Because we need something to talk about together. Um, and that, sometimes that's a rub. So um, back in that kind of scaling phase, going from zero to $1 million a year, something that I always recommend is like build out a system or systems within your business during that time. So it's not, so it's easier to then scale later on to just up the frequency of doing these things of creating content. Right. Um, so what to make is truly up to you and your customers and your audience. Like I can't tell you to, you know, maybe it's just editorial photo shoots, or maybe it's, you know, you're making YouTube videos or a podcast. I don't know what it is, but you need to figure something out, out like it. But then there's also some other systems too. Right. So it's like a figure out a system internally, so your brand is producing content, your e-commerce, you know, brand is producing contents internally, then uh, build a system out with partners or influencers to get more content from a different, you know, perspective, uh, or just a different type of content from them. And then the final one is user generated content, ask your customers to send in stuff. And then once you get those systems really flowing, uh, your marketers and your advertisers are going to love you because they're never going to be at a loss for new content to test and use. Yeah, that's excellent advice. And so um, before we wrap, we wrap this up, Chase, for people who want to learn more about uh, Electric Eye, what your agency offers, or they just want to follow more of your content, what's the best way to do that? Yep. So if anything I said resonated with you, you can head over to electriceye.io, click contact, and you can schedule an intro call with one of our strategists. We'll walk you through that framework I talked about earlier, ask you a bunch of questions, uh, see if we're a good fit. Um, And that would be fantastic. Or if you just like my opinions on e-commerce and you like, you'd like to kind of listen to me do this more or, you know, uh, it's more interviews with brand founders, you can head over to honestecommerce.co. Uh, you can subscribe on any of the the podcast apps out there. You can subscribe to our newsletter there to get the the newsletter, the podcast delivered directly in your inbox every week. If you'd like to do that as well. Yeah. Awesome. Um, I'll be sure to put that in the show notes as well. So make sure you go and check out electriceye.io and as well as go and check out the honest e-commerce podcast. So one final thing, Chase, um, any final thoughts to, um, or any final things that you'd like to share that I didn't ask? Um, you know what, Vincent, uh, we actually on the honesty commerce website, we have, uh, two free courses that if, especially if you're in that scaling phase, um, there's a whole entire free course on, uh, Facebook and Instagram advertising for Shopify. It is the exact framework that we use to set up accounts for our clients. You can just go and do that for free to make sure that a, you have an understanding of it. Uh, if you ever do look to hire a consultant, you kind of need to have that baseline understanding of how things work. So you can speak the language. Um, and then same thing, we have the exact same thing for uh, email marketing with Klaviyo. Um, and uh, so that's also on the web. So you can go check out both of those things, make sure your, your foundation's in place, at least start to understand the language and the lingo so you can communicate efficiently with your contractors or consultants or what have you. If you are going to outsource it or if you want to have it in-house, you have like some things, some resources for your internal team to kind of reflect upon. Yeah, make sure you go check that out. It's, uh, who, who doesn't like free, right? <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. yeah, thanks for sharing that, Chase. And it was a pleasure chatting with you. I had a blast. Thanks so much for having me.